Now, because UMBC became the first 16th seed ever to knock off a number one seed, we're all getting to celebrate that. Yeah. Because UMBC beat Virginia, Little Caesars is now treating everybody to free pizza today. Whoever said there's no such thing as a free lunch was wrong, and I'm living proof. I was first in line, and I have my pizza hot out of the oven. It's still steaming. Look at that. They're making every pizza fresh. Yeah, Little Caesars is offering free hot and ready lunch deals. The pizza chain made this offer earlier this month prior to the University of Maryland Baltimore defeating the overall number one seed Virginia Cavaliers. Before that game, number 16 seed had never toppled a one seed. The offer is good for a free four slice pepperoni deep dish and a 20 ounce drink. This deal runs from 11 a.m. until 1 p.m. So I'm here at Little Caesars at 11 Mile and Middle Belt, and the line is wrapped around. Let me show you. Wrapped around here, actually. All these people are waiting in line for free pizza. All these people lined up to get free Little Caesars today. You know, like, normally it's only $5. It's basically free every day, and it's gross. What the hell is that? What would you say you do here? Stone's Weekly Dose. Because I'm kind of an idiot. I'm a dumb guy. Brian, you don't have to keep trying so hard to impress me. I already really like you. Your midweek download destination. I told you about Brian. I told you. Come on, man. Brian was just making a joke. I'm so lucky to have met you, Brian. You're such an amazing guy. It's Stone's Weekly Dose. And note to self, don't die. Welcome in, everybody, to the supposed for-profit venture that is known as the Stone On Air podcast. It's a weekly dose for April 5th, 2018. This is my time of the year. This is hashtag April. This is hashtag my month. I'll get into more of that here in just a few minutes, amongst many, many other things. Thank you for finding the most listened to podcast in the city of Chattanooga. Earlier this week, was it this week? Yeah, it was Monday. I stopped in over the camp house to have a meeting with Matt Bubsby. Bubsby, is that how you say it? I think that's how you say it. Owner, or I don't know if he's the owner, but at least he's the guy who runs the podcast. And the, uh, I should say, the camp house. He also does the podcast for the camp house. Sorry, I got that turned around. So we met up to do some... Um, I don't know what you'd call it. I guess just kind of bouncing ideas off each other on how to help cross-promote and things we could do in, in the podcasting industry, which is becoming a real thing now. It is nice to know that finally, after going on two years of being a standalone, mostly standalone for that length of time, maybe not quite full two years, but a year and a half anyway, that this industry is finally actually becoming something. It's actually uh, it's showing signs of life. Not It had plenty of life as far as there was a lot of listenership and demand, but as far as there being a way to monetize it, and uh, so we were. Those are the kind of things we were talking about. We were talking uh, jargon, technicality talk, and we were talking more about uh, maybe having one another on each other's shows. I don't know if we're going to do that or not because I'm not sure that it makes sense. We do two completely different things. Um, his is more of a service-oriented kind of thing, and mine is more of a I don't know <laughs> what do you call it a uh, self-aggrandizing maybe <laughs> I don't know. But we do two different things for two different uh, purposes. But he did throw out an idea to me that I really like the sound of, 
that I'm going to kick around when I get back from vacation, potentially doing a live podcast recording at the camp house with a live local music act intertwined in between the two. Uh, we talked about maybe charging five bucks at the door to try to just at least cover basic cost. I told him that it, it, you know, it, it was his idea. I said, I'm all for making it, making it free and potentially taking a loss on it, if nothing more, just to have a big party and have a big storefront and a bunch of eyes and ears. I don't know. Very beginning stages of that. Very, 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 not even hardly, barely even conceptual at this point. He just kind of threw that out there at me and said, man, I'll give you, I'll give you a night. We'll do it on the weekend. And we'll put together, we'll bring a good band in and we'll do recordings and, and you know, whatever. So I thought that was pretty cool. And we both had the same kind of focus and concept idea of that these these are good things. The more of these kinds of programs that are available for download, the better it is for uh, for the city, for the scene, for for the entire region, for that matter. And uh, I, it was it was a really nice conversation I had with Matt over there. So I look forward to having more conversations into the future. And he felt the same way that I feel is that in this industry, it's not it's 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 kind of unique. As in, there's there's no real competition. There's no real competition. I guess if like my buddy Tanner and uh, and Brew Chat, I guess if another podcast came in to town or somebody in locally already decided to start a beer focused podcast, then in a way maybe that could be viewed as a, a as a, as competition. Certainly competitive. I don't know about true traditional competition, but I guess you could look at that as being that way. But Matt over at Camp House doesn't have any real competition. I don't have any real competition because to me, nobody's doing anything else that's even resembles what I'm doing. And I think that serves well for us all to help each other out and to spread words and to potentially cross promote through our uh, different accesses uh, through, through, you know, the, the distribution system, which is the World Wide Web. So anyway, just a, a little bit on that here to get things started. So I'm a total dumb asshole once again and walked off from my day job with my printouts for my show sheets and a couple of notes sitting on the damn printer over at my desk. And I don't have a printer here at home, so I've just kind of jotted down a uh, kind of makeshift show sheet to make sure I get all this uh, under control. Here in the uh, open, I'm going to talk about, I mean, in the opening segment, this taco and tequila fest, man. What did I tell you guys the other day? What did I go on and on about my concerns with first-time events in this city? It, it seems to be always a disaster. I don't know why we can't learn from each other's mistakes. I don't know why people don't reach out to get better guidance when putting together events. The first time always seems to be a wreck, and this taco and tequila fest certainly seemed to be a major, major disappointment at the First Tennessee Pavilion uh, over the course of the uh, the final Saturday of March. I'll get into more of that here in a few and my concerns for another first-time event that's coming to town in September. You remember that one, right? In the final segment of the show, I am going to go a different direction than some people might think. This Sinclair broadcasting situation, I think with the you've seen it all over social media, it grabbed a bunch of fire and virally kind of just started spitballing all over the place. I find it to be, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's this Sinclair Broadcasting. Uh, they're one of the biggest in the, in the country, and they own a whole bunch of damn stations, t TV primarily, probably plenty of radio and other, and other mediums as well. And they had these prepared statements that they had people reading, and, and then Deadspin got a hold of it and then spliced it all together and made it sound like 
everybody was saying the same thing and it was a big propaganda machine. Well, clever editing can do a lot for you. Just I, I could tell you all about that. That's one of the only things I'm pretty good at is audio editing. I could make anything sound the way I want to, to to fit whatever my narrative is. It's another case of fake outrage. You know, they talk fake news, fake news, fake news, fake news, fake news, fake news. The most overused, stupid uh, phrase we got out there because of the dumb president. This is a hashtag fake outrage, and it's not really a thing. There's nothing going on here. I'll get into that in the final segment of the show. In the second segment of the show, a couple of different angles. One is, it's the 13th anniversary of the death of Mitch Hedberg. And who is Mitch Hedberg? He is a comedian, one of my favorite comedians ever. And I only knew him for, you know, knew of his work, was familiar with his work for about three or four years of his life. He died of an overdose in 2005, and it was right around April Fool's Day that we found out. He died, I think it was the 30th of March, but in those days, information didn't spread so fast. I didn't find out about it until April 1st, and of course, we all thought it was an April Fool's joke. Well, this week, Easter and April Fool's Day both fell on the same day, on the same Sunday. There's probably a joke in there somewhere. I'll spare you. <laughs> no further commentary. But so it got me thinking about three different angles. First of all, I hadn't thought of Mitch in a while, so I wanted to, to play some clips from him and find a retrospective on him. And then it got me thinking about the origins of April Fool's Day, because I think it's one of the lamest, you know, quote-unquote, I don't want to call it a holiday, but days of note. It's absolutely ridiculous. But also, Easter. Easter eggs. Easter bunny. Where the hell did this come from? I turned 38 years old in five days from right now. On April 10th, I will be 38 years old. So by the next, by the time... I do another recording when I get back from Washington, D.C. I will be 38 years old. I've gone nearly that entire time and never once really thought about what's the deal with an Easter egg and what's the deal with the Easter bunny. None of this has a religious tone to it, really, other than just some of the facts of the situation. I honestly got to thinking, I don't know where April Fool's comes from, and I don't know where the Easter bunny or the Easter eggs come from. Bunnies don't lay eggs. How are these correlated together? And then how the hell does it come back together in a non-secular way? Like, how does how do these dots connect? Because they got to have some connection somewhere. So I'll get into that in the second segment of the show as well. Also, so just a few minutes ago, before I uh, started recording and got home with just some daylight left, there was a storm last night, and I hadn't heard of anybody having any issues. I went out in the front yard. Damn tree <laughs> toppled over all over the front yard. Luckily, it didn't hit anything at the house. Uh, that's now the second massive-ass tree I've had come down in the last couple uh, years at, and completely by just pure happenstance did not hit the uh, the house and fell harmlessly on the land. I've still got to figure out a way to get it the hell out of here. So if any of my, my actual friends have a chainsaw, I'll uh, buy you some Little Caesars pizza <laughs> for five bucks or, uh, or some beers or some liquor or something. You'll come over and help me chop it up. That's... That's, that's a serious inquiry if any of my buddies in the next week want to come hang out. And I know, as I always say that, be careful how you word things. Don't say, do you want to come help me chop up this tree? Because the answer to that question almost every time is very likely, hell no, I don't want to. Rephrase the question. Okay, will you come help me chop up this tree? Well, yeah, I guess I will. Fine, maybe. If it, if it works out, sure, I'll try. But don't ask people if they want to do something that's a favor because the answer is normally no. They don't want to do it, but it, I'll put that off till I get back from D.C. And so the D.C. trip goes like this. I'm leaving on the 7th, uh, Saturday morning, flying out of Chattanooga, me and my brother. 
will end up in Baltimore if all goes well in the middle of the afternoon, three, four-ish, something like that. Then we got an Airbnb near the Washington National Stadium for Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. So we'll get hopefully into D.C. It'd be great if we got there before dark. I'm not sure. There's going to be a lot of lot to deal with as we're flying into Baltimore. And but anyway, by the evening time, uh, without uh, d- without much doubt, and we'll hit the we'll hit a bar and we'll watch some Masters or or at least I guess whatever some baseball on TV or something. And then Sunday, and of course, hopefully weather is going to work out here. As I've looked at the forecast, it's going to be cold again. Damn it, damn it, it's going to be cold again. Not a crazy rain chance in the forecast, but there are rain chances. But it's going to be highs in the damn forties, which is a little disappointing. But we'll be okay as long as we don't get hammered with a storm or rain. We'll be all right. So then Sunday, we're pretty much going to dedicate that entire day to doing typical sightseeing things, touristy things in in D.C. and downtown. And I've heard from more than a couple of people who said if you're ever going to travel to to anywhere in the country, at least in this area of the country, and you're going to devote most of your time to typical touristy type things. Washington, D.C. is the place to do it. That's the place to do it. And I I thought that was probably true, and I now totally believe it's true based on the people who've told me that. Now, I wish I had a whole week, but we're only going to be there for four days. We're going to devote most of Sunday to that, watching some masters in and out of some bars throughout throughout Sunday as well. Uh, Then wake up Monday. My plan is to go to Tony, Tony Kornheiser's restaurant and eat breakfast. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. I might spend too much time late night drinking on Sunday I'll just let that figure it out work itself out but then Monday we're going to Washington Nationals Atlanta Braves game Monday night and then Tuesday is my birthday the 10th then we're going to go back to Baltimore go to an Orioles Blue Jays game and then we're going to stay I got a hotel right outside the airport and then Wednesday we fly back so it's that that's it that's the trip (laughs) you know I just laid it out that's everything we're doing in a jam-packed four-day stretch so no work four days of vacation and i am uh, pretty damn excited about it the trivia gig is still going well at the feed if you get out on a tuesday come by and say hello eight to ten every tuesday night at the feed and this is my time of year guys this is april hashtag my month hashtag april i love it growing up my whole life obviously we all get a little excited in the spring because things start to warm up we all kind of feel like we got a new lease on a new year kind of a new renewing of everything around you as as a kid growing up i loved wrestling pro wrestling wwf wcw i love wrestlemania it's this weekend Uh, baseball starts back up and i don't watch a ton of wrestling anymore but nostalgic reasons um baseball season is back and then my birthday and then the masters i don't watch golf all year except for the masters i watch it not in its entirety but i watch a lot of it once a year watch golf once a year birthday once a year baseball starts wrestlemania warming up usually lots of things to do the chattanooga market's back i mean everything about my life i love starts back up or starts to 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 be reborn if you will uh, at this time of the year. So I am really excited. And then the second best time of the year is June, and that's Bonnaroo week. So let's get into the first segment here, this Taco and Tequila Fest. I'll start with it. So I heard about this festival through Facebook, social media, Twitter maybe even too, called the Tacos and Tequila Fest. Now, I figured out that I believe that most, all of us, no matter how good our tastes are, our palates are, refi- how refined they are, we all tend to love tacos. 
Americanized tacos for certain, but even Mexican style and traditional are very, very good. I'm a super fan of tacos and margaritas. And so I saw this festival, Taco and Tequila, and uh, my friend that's a girl, who's still my friend and still a girl, but not really my friend that's a girl, she loves tacos and tequila, more specifically, out not even just margaritas, tequila itself. And so um, always kind of make a joke. She's my, you know, my Mexican friend. So I reached out to her just to kind of a last ditch effort to see if she want, you know, make up an excuse to get a girl to hang out with me. And uh, it didn't, you know, for whatever reason, it didn't work out. That's not surprising at all. But she had heard. She said, I think it's uh, might sell out or it's sold out. I said, that's not sold out. No one's ever heard of it. Well, I don't know if it's sold out or not. But according to the story from Nuga.com, Chloe Morrison said that according to an email from the one of the producers of this event, a Nashville-based company, uh, Matt Loney, said that they sold 1,750 tickets. 1,750 tickets to this damn thing at the First Tennessee Pavilion. They had four food vendors and four drink stations for nearly 2,000 people. I don't need to know a whole lot more to know that that's not going to go well. Apparently, I went over to Beats on uh, MLK or whatever they called it, the little block party they kind of had. It was nice. Uh, the best thing was the weather was perfect. Uh, I had a couple of beers and then and then left. But I was talking to some people that said that they heard that the Tacos and Tequila Festival was an absolute disaster. And I wasn't able to get to the social media and get all the backlash until it was all pulled down. I'm sure somebody you know, screenshotted it at some point, but... I don't care enough to do, be digging around for that. But if they sold 1,750 tickets at $20 a piece, that's $35,000. Four beer trucks, four food trucks, four drink stations for 1,700 people. Uh, there is a picture that somebody from Channel 3 posted out, John Martin, at J. Martin WRCB, and the pavilion looks packed. The pavilion looks absolutely packed. Uh, let's see. Many people said that the lines were too long. The drinks were sold out or left something to be desired. There were reports of cold food, warm beer, and limited supplies. The owner or the, excuse me, the producer said, Loney said a beer slash alcohol vendor had vehicle issues and arrived later than expected. He said, uh, quote, this got off, got us off to a slow start. Additionally, we had done similar size events and the volume of beer margaritas that were consumed were significantly higher than other events. That is a lesson learned. It goes on to give a bunch of anecdotal stories of people who uh, you know gave their more specific issues they had. There was also parking um, is, is paid for now over there. That's true across the board. You're not parking at that stadium for free very often anymore or at all. So people didn't like that. A lot of times there's some people that are just never going to be happy. Like It doesn't matter what happens. Somebody's Many people are just going to be pissed off no matter what. But this sounds like an absolutely awful, awful event. And it goes back to what I was talking about just a week ago about how this city, and I know these aren't local people. This is a Nashville group coming in trying to you know expand their footprint. But to not be able to get the guidance they need to make sure that this festival works is either a failure on our part to try to help and make sure we throw a decent. I mean, if you're getting paid, I guess in the end you don't care. But it's a failure on, on multiple people's part to figure out how to do this. But this has been happening over and over and over again for years and years. And it tends to always be at the first Tennessee Pavilion where we have the biggest problems. I am a huge fan of the South Side development for the last 20 years, over 20 years, that is the 
Finley Stadium, Davenport Field, First Tennessee Pavilion development. From the day that it happened until yesterday, I am a really big fan of this property. And for 10 years after it was built, all people did was bitch and moan about how it was a waste of money, a waste of time. Nobody used it. Nobody cared. It was voted uh, best property in Chattanooga to be torn down and turned back to nature by some piece of crap publication at one point. It's it's a great facility, and it's finally getting the recognition it deserves. But it seems like almost every time there's a kind of just this independently thrown event in there, it turns out to be a disaster, whether it's a whiskey festival, whether it was uh, the first craft beer festival. I have been to several events in the pavilion where everywhere I went, I heard the same thing from multiple people. If I had paid for this, I would be pissed off. Lord knows I've said it a few times because usually I'm lucky enough to get free admission to some of these kinds of things. And and it's not just at the pavilion. It's several different block parties. It's several different mass gatherings to celebrate something or for a launch or a kickoff. And there's not enough portalettes and there's not enough beer stations and there's lines wrapping around the building and there's and there's people who you know, are there that want to spend their money and you're making it difficult for them to do that. That is about as bad of a look as you can have, especially from a uber capitalistic world that we all live in and most people champion. If you are making it difficult for people to spend their money, you're doing it wrong. Now, I understand every now and again you run into some problems where you're not going to have uh, complete control over everything and things can just, you know, shit happens, right? I, I get that. But when you have events that you're hoping to get two to 3,000 people and you have three or four portajons outside and you have one station for everybody to get in and two different handhelds to try to check in people and scan cards, I'm just saying a, a local event I was at recently, what the hell did you expect? When the hell did you expect? You're hoping to get two to 3,000 people and you don't have anywhere near the manpower to make sure this goes well. How does this not go without saying? How does this how does this have to be explained? The things like the rooftop hop, which I'm a big fan of and I go to almost every year, always scattered and and, and fundamentally dysfunctional. They have no idea what one location for the next is doing. And now the general person walking around might not be able to tell for a little while, but eventually, guess what happens? Everybody runs out of everything. Lines are getting long because this one's all out. That's sold out. That's sold out. We've still got two hours to go. And often these events are premium prices. These aren't five bucks to get in the door. 20 and 40 and 50 and 75 and $150 events. And people are running out of product and concessions and food and drink. And here's something y'all might not realize. You might think, well, you know, you got it's hard to plan. You never know what you're going to get and you don't want to you don't want to put yourself behind by overbuying and not being able to make the sales in the beer industry. And I I don't know about the liquor industry nearly as well, but I think it's very similar. In the beer business, you only pay for what you sell. There is no reason ever in any situation to not have more than enough product to support the event you're trying to throw. You should never run out of beer. You should never run out of cocktails. You should never run out of mixers. Now, I think I think that the, the non-alcoholic industry works virtually the same way. In my experiences, when we load up beer to take to a nightfall or to an, any kind of event taking place over the Bitter Alibi or a, the Strut or whatever it might be, we send more beer than you'll ever consider being able to drink. 
Why? Because we don't want you to run out. And whatever you don't sell, you don't have to pay for. There's no reason you should be running out of that. Now, food, condiments, um, you know, things like accessories, napkins, you know, those kinds of different things in distribution. I can't speak to that. I don't, I don't know anything about any of that. Can't speak to that. So they run out of tacos or they run out of, uh, you know, finger foods. You'll have to ask somebody in that industry. But in the alcohol beer business, you only pay for what you sell. Anything else you don't sell, we come get it and we give you credit for it. Why in the hell are you throwing events where you're running out of booze? And I've been to one recently, ran out of booze with hours left to go in the in the night. Just can't. This is just so odd that we continually throw first year events and they're often complete disasters. I mean, we got the mess in June down on the river. They're they're so good at throwing a bad party that they actually do it well, right? I mean, that that festival in June does such a bad job they actually do it well <laughs> you know what i mean fundamentally from their piss poor standards and their consistency of 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 lame everything from tokens to carnival to chicken on a stick to bad acts they do that so poorly they actually do it well because we they have it all under control of how to throw a crappy party so they do what they do uh, I will give like the brew fest seems to overall gotten their their things together, but they're good at hiding their warts. There's a lot of issues there too when it comes to to checking in and keeping tabs on on you know lists and VIPs and and general admissions and 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 that's just kind of a drunk take in itself. They do a really good job of hiding their warts. There's a lot of problems there, and you're and with a big event that makes tens and tens or the goal to make tens and tens of thousands of dollars, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be difficult. But I think that the uh, the Brewfest has had plenty of time to get it together, and, and they hide it well. But, I mean, hell, there was a Chattanooga whiskey party a few years ago. That was a freaking mess. And it just seems to happen over and over again. And it concerns me about the Moon River Festival coming in September. I'm concerned that there's going to be disorganization. There's going to be dysfunction. There's going to be confusion. And it's going to be another one of those first-time events in the city that doesn't go well. My hope is here that we're dealing with professionals, and I do have a good amount of faith that this is going to happen. This will be true. This will be fine. But I'm still concerned that a first-time event is just going to go poorly, and people spend a lot of money on these tickets. So we'll see how it goes. But I will not be relieved until I see that things are going well in September. So tacos and tequila, absolute bust. Don't think about doing it again. Nobody walked away from that thing happy whatsoever. On the way out here in another long, rambling first segment of the show, this is a song by Cracker. It's called Happy Birthday to Me. By the time I do another show, as I mentioned earlier, I will be 38 damn years old. And while I don't get too hung up and worried about or overly anxiety-filled or stressed about my age, the idea of turning 40 in a mere two years is is not something I'm super looking forward to, but the reality of that getting closer, uh, I'd be lying if I didn't say I at least thought about it on occasion. But overall, years and age bring you wisdom. It brings you it brings you life experience, and if you do it right, if you live well, if you age well, which I can't say I've done all that so far, but I at least think about it a lot. You can really enjoy the later years of your life, and hell, I'm. Still hope I'm about halfway there, right? I mean, I hope I'm barely even halfway there. Uh, coming up next, Mitch Hedberg, one of my favorite comedians of all time, if not my favorite, died 13 years ago last week. And April Fool's 
and Easter eggs and Easter bunnies. Where the hell does that stuff come from? How can I be almost 38 years old and not know the answer to that? There's a good chance that you might not know the answer to that either. And we'll look into that coming up next on the Stone on Air podcast, a weekly dose for April 5th, 2018. Y'all hang tight. I'll be right back. shampoo <laughs> two and one is not a r- good term because it's, it's not real because one is not big enough to hold two that's why two was created if it was two and one it would be overflowing uh, i'm so unanimated once the cameras are rolling <laughs> at the wrong time to be unanimated i would say all right i can't wait till this set's over because i have a Roll of lifesavers in my pocket, and pineapple is next. You know, if I made an orange juice, I wouldn't be so hardcore on people. I would be more polite. Like, I would not print shake well on the carton, because you don't know how good people can shake, you know? I would write, shake to the best of your ability. They don't have a diagram that shows the uninitiated how to shake. All right, put it over here. Then put it over here. Then put it over here quicker. I like an escalator, man, because an escalator can never break. It can only become stairs. There would, there would never be an escalator temporarily out of order sign. Only an escalator temporarily stairs. Sorry for the convenience. There's a commercial on late night TV for this thing you attach to a garden hose. It says, you can water your hard to reach plants with this product. Who the fuck would make their plants hard to reach? I know you need water, but I'm gonna make you hard to reach. Hopefully they'll invent a product before you shrivel and die. So you can have this product for four easy payments of $19.95. I would like to have a product that was available for three easy payments and one fucking complicated payment. We can tell you which payment it is, but one of these payments is gonna be a bitch. The mailman will get shot to death, the envelope will not seal, and the stamp will be in the wrong denomination. Good luck, fucker. I love Mitch Hedberg. This is Soul Asylum. This song's called April Fool. I'm quitting after one more last one. Tired of playing the clown. If I want your opinion, I'll ask you. I can get myself down. Night driving without headlights, wearing sunglasses too. Anything to be cool. From Grave Dancers Union in what? 92 probably? So three main points to get across here in this second segment is I'm just going to do a traditional three-segment show. Traditional is the right word. I guess it's probably not. But What is April Fool's Day or where did it come from? What's the deal with Easter eggs and Easter bunnies? 
And who was, who is Mitch Hedberg? And we'll go in that order. We'll start with Mitch, then we'll go Easter, then I'll go April Fool's Day, and then we'll get to the final segment where I'll touch on this Sinclair broadcasting thing, which is a very good example of hashtag fake outrage. So Mitch Hedberg was a comedian, and I'm going to play a little two-minute little retrospective I pulled off of YouTube here of him in a minute to give a little quicker overview, but I was obsessed with this guy. He was, to me, the coolest guy ever, um, from the way his act was to the way the way he conducted himself, it's just his, his kind of... I don't know, laid back, stoner kind of approach. I loved, loved, loved it. And it was brilliant comedy. Absolute brilliant comedy. It was observational. It was, uh, I read this in an article, I'm paraphrasing here, in a, in a review 20, you know, 15 years ago or whatever it was, that said, think Seinfeld, except lose the New York dork and enter SoCal cool. It, it was all observational. It was all one-liners. Some of it was dumber than others, no doubt. Not everything he did was gold, but a big part of his act was his drug use, and he was a junkie. He really was. At the time, I didn't quite realize it. I probably thought it was cool more than anything at that point, but there was times where he would have shows that would be absolute train wrecks because he was high on heroin. I, I remember exactly, and it, this is how much I like this guy. I remember exactly where I was when I heard about this, that he died. And I don't remember how I heard it, but I remember where I was. I was at my same job I'm at now, same building anyway, and there's a shower there, and I was taking a shower and changing to get ready to go out on a Friday night, and it was April Fool's Day. I'm pretty sure that he technically died on, on March 30th, he was probably found more like next day, March 31st, and then the news trickles out within the next day. So he had been technically dead for a day and a half before I ever heard about it. Seems impossible, I know. Seems crazy to think that nowadays, the way we the way information spreads in a split second, that somebody, I won't say big star, but a very well-known a famous person could die and it would take a day and a half to figure it out. But that's that's how it was still in 05. And it, so it's April Fool's Day. And so I was like, yeah, right. What a stupid joke. What an awful, awful joke. Mitch, Yeah, right. Mitch Hedberg's dead. Whatever. And that's exactly what I thought. And I was going to see Driving and Crying. Not much has changed here in 15 years. 2005 at the age of 25. 2018 at the age of 38. I still go to the same shows, still listen to the same music, and still uh, and still enjoy a lot of the same things. So I just left and you know went to the show, and then into the next day on a Saturday, finally got confirmation that Mitch Hedberg was indeed dead of a heroin overdose. This is from a little clip put together by I didn't even write it down who it was. If you want to know that bad, uh, send me a tweet at Stone on Air. I'll I'll give you the full attribution. This is a little minute and a half to almost two minutes on the life of Mitch Hedberg. Mitch Hedberg was one of the greatest comedians of all time. He might not be a household name like George Carlin or Louis C.K., but he'll always be remembered for his signature style and one-of-a-kind delivery. I bought a two-bedroom house, but it's up to me how many bedrooms there are, though, isn't it? <laughs> this bedroom has an oven in it. Unfortunately, before he could truly break through and claim the fame he deserved, 
Hedberg died of a drug overdose in 2005. Although his time here was sadly cut short, let's take a look at the life of the amazing Mitch Hedberg. When you think of Mitch Hedberg's laid-back West Coast stoner vibe, you might be surprised to learn that he actually came from the Midwest, St. Paul, Minnesota to be exact. Despite the fact that Middle America is generally a pretty conservative region, Hedberg never really tried to hide his liberal drug use. I used to do drugs, I still do, but I used to too. Hedberg got his first big break on The Late Show with David Letterman. This led to an appearance at the 1998 Just for Laughs Festival. After being cast as a stoner on that 70s show, he made a brief appearance in the film Almost Famous and later took a small role in The Lords of Dogtown before his death in 2005. Time magazine even went so far as to call him the next Seinfeld. Hedberg's drug problem was never a secret, though most people didn't realize how serious it was. Then, in 2002, he was arrested for heroin possession. In 2005, he died of a drug overdose. This morning, we've learned a popular comic from St. Paul has passed away. Mitch Hedberg died in a hotel room in New Jersey on Wednesday. Though he had a tragic end, Hedberg was one of the most interesting comedians of his time and will be remembered for his exceptional delivery, timing, and creative one-liners. He might not have been the new Seinfeld, but he never needed to be. He was Mitch Hedberg. I like to take a toothpick and throw it in the forest and say, you're home! I could do this kind of stuff all day long, but I don't have time as, once again, my first uh, segment went really long. So Mitch Hedberg, man, one of my favorites. And it just I got to thinking about it because I remembered that when I found out he died, it was on April Fool's Day. And then I got to thinking because over this weekend, it was such a gorgeous weekend. And I really do, you know, I, I don't participate in all this religious stuff. You guys know that by now. But I, um, I really do appreciate when a few times a year like Thanksgiving and Christmas and Easter rolls around and everybody stops being a bunch of assholes for a day on social media and everybody just enjoys themselves especially when you have such a great weather it was a, such a spring incredible wet, uh, weather weekend and so I'm looking at this and thinking that's cool you know I'm happy to see that that people I like and people I you know it, it appreciate are having themselves a nice weekend and then when I got to realizing oh and April Fool's Day is on Easter. <laughs> I mean, I could, I'm not a comedian, but I could even make a bit out of that. Now I won't, but I could. Then it got me thinking even more. Wait a second. April Fool's Day, Easter, bunnies and eggs. Where does all this come from? How could I be this old in life and not really be able to give you a good explanation if you ask me, why is there a bunny? Why is there eggs? And what is April Fool's Day? And why do we, why is it a thing? I couldn't have answered that. There's a good chance that you couldn't have either. Sometimes you just go so long and you don't ever bother to wonder why. The egg, an ancient symbol of new life, this is from history.com, has been associated with pagan festivals celebrating spring. From a Christian perspective, Easter eggs are said to represent Jesus' emergence from the tomb and resurrection. Decorating eggs for Easter is a tradition that dates back to at least the 13th century, according to some sources. One explanation for this custom is that eggs were formerly a forbidden food during the Lenten season, so people would paint and decorate them to mark the end of the period of penance and fasting, then eat them on Easter as a celebration. Easter egg hunts and egg rolling are two popular egg-related traditions. In the United States, the White House Easter egg roll, a race in which children push decorated hard-boiled eggs across the White House lawn, is an annual event held the Monday after Easter, which is actually referred to as Easter Monday. The first official White House egg roll occurred in 1878 when Rutherford B. Hayes was president. Hey, at least it makes sense, right? All right, so cool. Eggs. 
But what's up with a bunny? Bunnies don't lay eggs. Why is there an Easter rabbit? Why is there an Easter bunny? What's that about? Well, the Easter bunny has become a prominent symbol of Christianity's most important holiday. The exact origins of this mythical mammal are unclear, but rabbits, known to be prolific procreators, are an ancient symbol of fertility and new life. According to some sources, the Easter bunny first arrived in America in the 1700s with German immigrants who settled in Pennsylvania and transported their tradition of egg-laying here called Osterhaz or Osterhaz. Their children made nests in which this creature could lay its colored eggs. Eventually, the custom spread across to the United States, and the fabled rabbit's Easter morning deliveries expanded to include chocolate and other types of candy and gifts, while decorated baskets replaced the nests. Additionally, children often left out carrots for the bunny in case he got hungry from all the hopping. So, all right, I hear you. It's kind of like old St. Nick. Just over all these hundreds of years, it turns into a thing. So, that's interesting to know. All right, cool. I'm down with it. So, now on to April Fool's Day. How did April 1st become a thing? And I've, I've often mentioned about Halloween and, and is it Christmas? Yeah, Christmas gifting and Halloween costumes are a good way to point out the, the dullards in life and the more creative types. April Fool's is the same way. You can pick out the dullards, and you can pick out the more creative types with how they handle April Fool's Day. This also from History.com. English pranksters, dating back to 1700, popularized the annual tradition of April Fool's Day by playing practical jokes on each other. Although the day, also called All Fool's Day, has been celebrated for several centuries by different cultures, its exact origins remain a mystery. Some historians speculate that April Fool's Day dates back to 1582, when France switched from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar, as called for by the Council of Trent in 1563. People who were slow to get the news or failed to recognize that the start of the new year had moved to January 1st and continued to celebrate it during the last week of March through April 1st became the butt of jokes and hoaxes. So that was that's the deal of April 1st. That used to be the start of the new year. They moved it to January as we know it now in present day terms. And the people who didn't understand it and continued to celebrate on April 1st are the ones who were the April Fools. These pranks included having paper fish placed on their backs and being referred to as Poison de Evrel, said to symbolize a young, easily hooked fish and a gullible person. And then it goes on from there with a lot of jargon and some other things that are not as much interesting. So it just really lends to culture. Culture is such an interesting thing and how it blends from one country, uh, from one side of the world to the next. And uh, it's just it's just fascinating. So I wanted to take a look at that for a few minutes. And I'm going to step out of here and get ready for the final segment, which will be shorter. And then I'm off in a day and a half to D.C. And I'm unplugging. And I cannot wait. Happy freaking birthday to me. Coming up next, uh, I will give you the official statement from WTVC ownership here locally to this Sinclair Broadcasting Group as it's being like kind of painted as this big propaganda piece. It is officially, to me, I am labeling it fake outrage. Complete and total, utter fake outrage. What am I talking about? What do I mean exactly? I'll tell you coming up next on the Stone on Air podcast. It is finally April. It is April 5th when this show drops to be exact. It's the Weekly Dose, and I will be right back.
to more. Stone on Air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. StoneOnAir.com. Hi, I'm Fox San Antonio's Jessica Headley. And I'm Ryan Wolf. Our, our greatest, greatest responsibility, responsibility is to, to serve, serve our, our Treasure Valley communities. The El Paso Las Cruces communities. Eastern Iowa communities. Mid-Michigan communities. We are extremely proud of the quality, balanced journalism that CBS4 News produces. But we are concerned about the trouble and trying to be responsible one side of news stories plaguing our country. Plaguing our country. The sharing of biased and false news has become all too common on social media. More alarming, some media outlets publish these same fake stories without checking facts first. The sharing of biased and false, false news has, has become, become all too common, common on, on social, social media. media. More alarming, some media this is extremely dangerous to our democracy. 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 This is Ooh, yeah. Welcome back to the show. I mean, our democracy is in shambles, guys. Shambles. Everybody get dangerous. All the official statement from WTVC's. Where the hell is it? General Manager Mike Costa here in just a minute. A Sinclair Broadcasting Station where people I know work, people I appreciate work, people who do good work, work there. I'm not being a shill. I don't care. I'll tell anybody that they suck if I feel like it, if they feel that they do. Everybody get dangerous. I give credit where it's deserved, and I tell you when you're stupid, when you're stupid. I don't got a whole lot to lose in this medium. Don't like it, don't listen. Love it, listen all you want. It's all good either way. What this is, that this is blown up over social media, is exactly where the the line is drawn where people actually don't really understand what the issue, what the problem is, what the issue is. Is that and, and in part of it is because of rhetoric from the president. This isn't this isn't news. This thing that happened that, that that has all these same things read by so many people the same way. That's not a news story. That's not that's not some kind of um, commentary other than just on the state of affairs of our media and the distribution of it and the countless ways that you can get a hold of information that is or isn't true depending on where you get it from. It was just a disclaimer from this very very big media company. It just depends on what argument you want to have here. The spreading of bad information, which you guys have heard me talk about constantly, is out there and it is dangerous and it is something that should be taken seriously. 
But news organizations all over this country that are accredited are not giving fake news with any regularity. Could there be false and bad information spread occasionally through reporting? Of course, it's always been that. Once again, not a new thing. Fake news, fake bad information, misleading information, propaganda, not a new thing. It's been around since the beginning of civilization, right? Everybody run around acting like all of a sudden we got this new problem. No, no, this has always been going on. It's just now the access to the information is instantaneous. And so a, a disclaimer by Sinclair Broadcasting put out amongst their vast umbrella of properties is not propaganda. It's it's a it's a it's a legitimate warning. That's all it is. That's all that specifically was. And the, and it, here's what the argument should be. Why is Sinclair Broadcasting allowed to own so many damn media companies? That should be the argument. The answer to that is, I've talked about this in the past. It's been a while since I brought it up, probably. The 1996 Telecommunications Act signed into law underneath President Bill Clinton. So anytime somebody would be a smartass, be like, oh yeah, say something bad about Bill Clinton. 1996 Telecommunications Act. How about that? Awful, awful piece of legislation that opened up the, uh, the, the opportunities for companies to gobble up uh, media entities. You didn't used to be able to do that. You couldn't own more than a handful of radio stations. You couldn't own more than a couple of TV stations. You couldn't do that. Why? Because it could turn into a propaganda machine. That's why those laws were put into place back in the 19-whatever-they-were, 30s, 40s, 50s. And sometimes, just because laws are old doesn't mean they need to be changed. Now, oftentimes it does, but it doesn't guarantee it just because it's an old law that it needs to be changed. That's what made things like this possible. So if the argument was Sinclair Broadcasting has too many conflicts of interest and owns too many radio stations and owns too many television stations and too many newspapers and too many media outlets, and they're trying to force the same information into different areas, and they're trying to, 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 to spread propaganda, and this is wrong, just look at this. Okay, well then I'll, I'll, I'll listen to your argument because now you know what you're talking about. Now... Most people have never heard of the 1996 Telecommunications Act. So that's not the argument. The argument is they're hearing a blanketed and very cleverly and well-produced and put together clip of all these different stations saying this same disclaimer. Well, of course they do. They own them all. Have you been in, in a city and seen an ABC affiliate that looks exactly like the ABC affiliate you have here? I'm just picking them out because that's because Sinclair here locally is ABC. Have you been to a city and heard a classic rock radio station and then gone back to your city or somewhere else and heard the same damn boring piece of shit radio station there too? Of course you do. That's the that's the result of this awful legislation in the 1990s that allowed for people to buy up all these properties and then turn them into clones of one another to appeal to the lowest common denominator. That's what all these companies do. So this is fake outrage. Oh, my God. Can you believe what they're doing? I, I don't know. What, what is it you think they're doing? I mean, I know what they're doing, and I don't like it for reasons you've never heard of. What, what do you think they're doing? That's what I find the, the, the most just frustrating part is, yeah, there's something to be irritated about here, but I haven't heard one word yet that makes any sense is the reason why we're irritated about this. This is News Channel 9 General Manager Mike Costa, his statement uh, here locally. We aren't sure of the motivation for the criticism, but find it curious that we would be attacked for asking our news people to remind their audiences that unsubstantiated stories exist on social media, which result in an ill-informed public and potentially dangerous consequences. It is ironic that we would be attacked for messages promoting our journalistic initiative for fair and objective reporting, 
and for specifically asking the public to hold our newsrooms accountable. Our local stations keep our audience's trust by staying focused on fact-based reporting and clearly identifying commentary. And that's, while it is clearly, obviously, a prepared statement, it's totally accurate thing to say. It's a total, he, that's what I bet he actually truly believes, as opposed to something that he sent to his lawyers to, to, to write up. The problem is people cannot separate fact from fiction. People cannot separate news from commentary. They think they hear someone doing commentary, they think they're getting the news. And when it comes down to fake news, it's not a fake news, it's fake bad spreading of information by the regular assholes like you and me and us all walking around. I'll give you the perfect example. The other week, on April damn fool's day, I guess, somebody I know, a big golfer, uh, he's a longtime listener, and he posted on social media this link that went to a what looked like to me an NBC affiliate saying Tiger Woods was not going to be able to play in the Masters this year. And I don't really care about that at the end of the day. Like, I'm not going to stop and spend a lot of time on that. But I saw that. It looked like a real news source. It wasn't. It was an April Fool's joke. But I'm in my in my peripheral there, I didn't really care. And a couple of days later, I saw Tiger Woods going to be at the Masters in this commercial. I was like, no, I thought I just read that he wasn't going to, that he's pulling out. What the hell? What's up with these clowns? That's because I didn't care. At that moment in that time, that I'm not going to stop and, oh, I better go fact check everything I see online. And you're going to get that in all kinds of different walks of life. And that's where the Russians and the, the cyber terrorists, and the, that's what they are, international cyber terrorists. That's what they do is they infiltrate social media and they post. Now, what I'm just talking about was just a simple little stupid April Fool's joke that I was gullible enough to not pay it, you know, not look into enough. The international cyber terrorists. Get in there, spread these bullshit-ass stories, and numbnuts all over the country fall for this, share it, like it, and tell their friends and tell their other numbnut friends, and before you know it, you've got a mess of on your hands. That's what the fake meddling, fake news, the meddling, the, the, the way to, to, to mess with our collective uh, psyches, the way to, to, to really disrupt a republic is that. That's what the Russia story is. The Russia story isn't... Donald Trump colluded with Putin to win the presidency. What? Why are you giving this man so much credit? He didn't know what he was doing. He won. He didn't. Couldn't believe he won. He didn't win because he colluded with with the second most powerful man in the world. He won because majority of this country is fucking pissed off and delusional at this point. And part of it is is because of the cyber terrorist networks that are out there screwing with everybody. I mean, this is a nation of dimwits now. And I mean, that example I just gave you of me falling for this Tiger Woods isn't playing in the Masters thing. That was because that happens on every level of different of, of whether it's important or not. People see information and if they don't care about it, they're not going to spend any time trying to figure out whether it's true or not. But they might think later on, wait a second, I thought I, I heard that he wasn't playing or I heard that Trump was a, a liar or I heard that Obama wasn't from America or I heard and then it goes on so on and so forth. So if you're going to have an argument and be mad about something, figure out the real good reasons to be mad about it. And I'm all ears. But this blanketed statement put out by Sinclair Broadcasting that basically just says, hey, watch out for fake bullshit out there, and we're going to try our best not to do it, and it was blanketed commentary throughout their entire company and network, well, yeah, that's kind of how it works. The company I now work for owns two-thirds of the state, of, of, of beer selling rights of Miller Lite and Coors Light 
You don't think every single one of our companies has the same talking points and the same bulletin board and the same email blast and the same mission statement? Of course they do. And that's true with any kind of conglomeratized corporation kind of thing in America. And you can pick that apart all you want and turn that into another podcast for another day if you'd like. But what, what they've done here is nothing worth getting mad about unless you want to look at the real things like the 1996 Telecommunications Act, which started all this mess over 20 years ago. But no one's heard of that. So this is a typical, typical, typical situation that we're running into more now that's even worse than hashtag fake news. The worst is hashtag fake outrage. I want to be mad today, and I'm going to find out a reason to get mad and watch out. And as soon as I find it, I'm going to get even, I'm going to get louder and prouder. Just give me a reason to be a dick today, and I'm going to do it. That's how, that's, that's how the mass majority of our online presence is. Let me figure out a reason to get mad. And then you're probably, people are probably sitting there saying, well, that's what you do every week, dude. <sighs> All right. Well, I, 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 I can argue with you, but I don't feel like it. I just don't feel like it. I want to be mad, and I'm going to find a reason right this minute. Damn it all to hell, you sons of bitches. All right. I'm going to get on out of here, guys. I appreciate it. This is the Stone on Air podcast, a weekly dose for April 5th. I'm off to D.C. It is my birthday. It is spring. It is the Masters. There's baseball. There's WrestleMania. There is lots of optimism and fun and hope in the air, and I'm in a really good mood. This is my time of year. Hashtag April. Hashtag my month. I appreciate you guys finding the show more than you'll ever know. On the 10th, I'm going to post out, like I've done the last two years, the Strung Like a Horse show from YouTube that was on my birthday that was one of my favorite radio shows I've ever done. So you guys enjoy yourself. If you get an opportunity to take a look at that, do it. If you've already seen it, uh, watch it again if you want, or just don't. Do your own thing. Enjoy your own set. Make, Make hashtag April, hashtag your month as well. We'll do it again next week. See you later. Bye. Don't be a fake. Don't be a fraud. Don't lie. Be cool. You get it. See you later. Take care. I'm out. Goodbye.